This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minner, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike right, three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. That's it, got it, underdog, and then one, exclamation point. Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. I don't hear you. It's Easter weekend. There you go. I hear you now. Got a synced up clock here we're working with. Uh, we're uh, we're off and running now. And uh, maybe this is just more indicative of the fact that one of us in this room turned 21 this week and it's not the guy with four kids and a mortgage. Hey Matt, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. I have, I have, I have made it here. Um, somehow, some way. Well, look, let me be honest with you. Yeah. If I didn't show up here, my father was going to stop paying for any percent of my my Whoa. college. So yeah. I am, I am here. Yeah. I am doing well. I turned 21 on Wednesday. For those who don't know. Yeah. All right. It was a big day. It was a big day. It was a lot of fun. Wednesday was a lot of fun. Then Thursday was a lot of fun, and yesterday was a lot of fun. And now uh, I am I am here, Husker Hour, as always. A little caught off guard by the slight technical difficulties we've we've had, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's been a long. You know, they always say <laughs> they've. I've been told a lot. By a lot of people, one of which was Mr. Kenny Larrabee, who's running the ones and twos over here. Uh-huh. He only turned 21 once. My answer to that is, thank God. <laughs> thank God. I, I can't. No, I don't want to do this again. This has been a lot. It's been a long week. It's fair. Fun week, though. Like, not a long, like, it could be, like, a stressful week. Hasn't been that at all. Yeah. But. Well, hey, that's good. That's good. We're uh, we're happy for you. Well, welcome to the club. And uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of, you know, speaking of 20 and 21 year olds, uh, Nebraska baseball got the job done yesterday. They got the job done in the midweek as well against K State and might have that missing piece that we've been talking about as well, Matt, because you, you have, uh, we'll, 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 we'll get to Sunday, but we will get to Sunday. We always have to get to Sunday. In, in the midweek, Nebraska goes kind of Johnny Holstaff. You get a little Caleb Clark, a little Corbin Hawkins. Will Walsh for an inning and a third. Uh, then Jake Buns, Shea Shanneman. Jake Buns, who, by the way, still has not given up an earned run this season. Shea Shanneman goes three innings to close that one out against K-State. Nebraska uh, gets four in the last three innings to pull away and win 6-1. to one. And then yesterday, getting the big Friday night, well, Friday afternoon, uh, win with a great pitching performance from, honestly, Michigan and Nebraska. Michigan starter goes nine. Yeah, Emmett Olson took an ho-hitter into the seventh, got seven and two-thirds innings, and then Shea Shanneman finished the game off, and every run, three to one was the final, every run scored via the home run. The first two solo shots in regulation by the number nine hitters for each team, and then in the tenth, Mr. Clutch, it's Bryce Matthews' world and we're just living in it, goes, goes out of the yard. Nebraska was 0 for 10 on... On uh, runners in scoring position, with, no, with runners on base, on base, yes, yes, that's what flat was, out on that's base. What I saw. And then he gets, uh, and then he gets the home run with one on. Uh, Nebraska wins three to one thanks to Bryce Matthews, Emmett Olson, and Shea Shanneman. It was he's he is he is on another level right now. I don't think I've watched a more clutch baseball player in my entire life. 
Now, now to be fair, I'm young. I'm young, and I watch Cubs baseball, so there hasn't been a lot of variety uh, to for for clutchness, shall you say? But against North Dakota State, one one seventh inning, three run homer breaks that tie. They're up two one against Kansas State. It's a very close game. Two run double yesterday. Another homer to break a tie to to end up winning the game. Uh, he's had an incredible season. I, I want to talk about, and look, I don't want to take anything away from Bryce Matthews because he deserves his flowers, absolutely. He's had an incredible year, uh, you know, right now. Batting over 400 still, still batting over 400, still having an incredible year. Uh, RBIs, 43. I mean, there's nothing you, can, nothing you can't say about his performance. I will say this, though. Shea Shanneman has been incredible for this team. Exactly what they need. Yep. That middle of the bullpen guy who can not only just come in and give you an inning but can close out a game and really make I mean at this point look, six appearances, his last I'll put it this way. His first seven appearances, he gave up 13 runs. Yep. His last six, zero. That's 11 and one thirds innings pitch. Look, that's pretty good. I mean, he's turning into a dude where it now becomes a seven inning game. No. I mean, that's just kind of how he's been playing. He's been pitching great. Jake Buns has been incredible. I think Will Walsh is probably going to end up getting... Have they announced the Sunday starter yet? Yeah, on Wednesday. You, okay. you may have been busy. I probably I was very busy. Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday, Will Bolt actually made the public announcement that Will Walsh will be the starter I Sunday. I missed that. Wow, yeah. that's kind of embarrassing. And well, look, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, it's good. And, and we kind of talked about it, no, last week where we said he needs to get a little bit of work in before Sunday. Ended up pitching against uh, Kansas State. Looked really good as well. It's definitely a tight leash on him, though, because he pitched well against Kansas State. And he was taken out after one inning. Yeah. So, resting him up. This team, I'm just going to say it, and, and I don't think there's any, any way of really putting it. Good team. This is a good baseball team. Mm-hmm. It's a good baseball team that's well-managed. Um they have really good pitching right now. Their bats have been consistent throughout the entire lineup. And if they end up sweeping Michigan, we talked about last week, and maybe it was a little bit of wishful thinking that this team could definitely win the Big Ten. We talked about that 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 they were one they might be one pitcher away from winning the Big Ten. They sweep Michigan. That's no longer wishful thinking. That's no longer a, a cool thought. That's no longer a try and convince yourself that that can happen. That is a a legitimate notion if they end up sweeping Michigan on the road. Now, you know, still have two more games to play. Michigan's still a really good team. Still on the road. So it still has to happen. But you go up against Michigan's ace, you win. If you win on Friday, you win on Friday, that's always always a good tell for how the weekend's going to go. Yeah. So, and they did that, and it wasn't just a fluke win. It was a systematic team win. And you could argue that they probably should have won by more with the amount of guys they had on base and with the amount of times that they uh, didn't contribute. But they out hit Michigan 8 to 2. I mean, it's a good uh, team. It's a good team. It's a good baseball team. It's a good baseball team. And, yeah. and you know, it's, it's something that honestly you would have expected this season last year from the success they had from the year prior and, and the good recruiting class they got from that year as well. But they've taken a little bit to develop. They got a lot of young guys. They got a lot of pitchers who are, are experienced on the back end. Just been, it, it's a team that's going right now, that's clicking right now, and yeah. you hope that they can continue to do that. It's it's a good mix. It is a good mix. 2022, you, you, and I don't disagree, You know that team was coming off of winning the Big Ten being right there with the number one overall seed, Arkansas, in the regional on I mean, the road. You, you could argue they could have been Arkansas. Yeah, they they were right they there. Should've. They should have hosted. They should have hosted they their own regional. They, they sh- should not have been matched up yeah. as essentially the thirty second ranked team in the country. Absolutely as, as the seeding breaks no. down. The problem with last year, and I think this has been hashed out, is is you had a lot of leadership leave the team in twenty twenty one, and the guys that you thought were were going to just step right in in twenty two weren't necessarily part of that leadership group in twenty one as they as they could have been, and so counting on them to do 
all the things that the guys in 21 did, like your 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 Hallmarks, your Schwellenbachs, your sure. Ackers, your your um, all of those guys, they were kind of in a class by themselves, and and expecting the guys that filled in and to pick up that torch immediately without any hiccups was maybe a little bit more to ask of them. Absolutely. And and so this year, there's a better mix of that. You had guys that, that eventually stepped into those roles that have kept it going this year, and Bryce Matthews and Max Anderson. Uh, Griffin Everett just has not played as much this season uh, as we otherwise would have expected. And when he was playing, he was really good. Yeah, Everett at this point has uh, just started 13 and played in 19 games. The Huskers have played 27 now yeah. so far. Uh, so, so if you get more of him, maybe that helps out. But they're they're making it work. Um, the the thing this season is you've got more of these roles carved out earlier on. They were more defined pretty quickly. The lineup, the the positions out in in the field, and and yeah, you've got some platoons out there, obviously. But you know where Bryce Matthews, Max Anderson, Dylan Carey. Uh, are are going to be Casey Burnham has carved out a spot in center field. Yeah, you've got Garrett Anglum, Josh Karen, Ben Columbus, kind of cycling through. Gabe Swanson, Cole Evans, they've had. You just have a solid. I mean, all these guys that you're naming just have had great seasons. And I'll give you another difference maker, Jace Kaminska. Yeah, it is just that's the other part of the roles that have been it, exactly. You started off this season knowing exactly who your number one and number two starters were. Yeah, and, and Emmett Olson has stepped up to the plate. Yeah. He stepped up to the plate, and I think people expected him to do that, yep. and that's exactly what he's done. Yeah. And that's exactly why he's a Friday starter who consistently can go six, seven innings. And look, college baseball, tran- you know, the transfer portal is transcendent across all, sco- or across all sports. Mm-hmm. But rarely do you see such an impactful college baseball player like you do in college football or college basketball. It's just... It, it, especially from the mound, because a lot of those guys who are really, really good in college baseball, they either stay with their team for a very long time or they go to the the, the MLB draft. Yeah, that's just a fact. There, there's not a whole lot of transferring movement. You're not really going to get an ace necessarily through the transfer portal in college baseball because they're either going to be on a really good team already because they were highly recruited, or they're going to be drafted. Jace Kaminska is an ace that they were able to get through the transfer portal, and it was an impressive pickup by Will Bolton's staff. Yeah, and and Kaminska goes today, um, and and obviously Kaminska is a big part of this staff. Two point seven seven ERA, five and one on the year. This will be his eighth appearance. Emmett Olson still five and one. Did not get credit for the quote unquote win yesterday, but I mean, do you know what the run differential is when Jace Kaminska plays? Hmm. Plus fifty. Nebraska has outscored their opponents seventy to twenty when Jace Kaminska pitches. So he's the anti Zach Grinky. Basically, basically Grinky with some of the worst run support in baseball history. Yeah. So Kaminska goes today, and then I think the story of the weekend may, and and, and not I'm not suggesting that Will Walsh is going to pitch better or is better pitcher sure. than Emmett Olson or Jace Kaminska, but the story of the weekend may be what Nebraska. Hopefully we'll figure out with the Sunday starter. The last two Sundays Nebraska's played, the 26th of April, of March, 10 to 7 loss to Illinois, the 20 and then uh, the 19th of March, 10 to 7 loss to Nichols. You can't give up 10 runs on Sunday and expect to make the NCAA tournament and the the Sunday starter has been a revolving door. So the fact that Will Walsh is getting the ball tomorrow may get this season to another level for Nebraska baseball. It's, that was the missing piece we discussed on the show last week. We kind of theorized, hey, maybe they, they get him in a little bit here on Sunday. Maybe they get him in a little bit in the midweek, which they did. They got him an inning and a third. And so now he's going to get a chance to start. And his his only other start this year, he went seven innings. And then the appearance before, he went six-plus against Creighton, maybe left in a little bit too long. But he he ends up getting really, really strong performances and going very, very far into the game, which is what you need from your starter, and especially a Sunday starter. Because as you get into these other series with other Big Ten teams, they're not all going to have three defined 
starters, three guys who can go deep into games. So if Nebraska can figure that out, that's going to be a further separation, including having guys like Shea Shanneman in the bullpen, having your your two guys hitting over 400 in the lineup. Those are other separators for this program right now that other teams in the Big Ten don't. Yes, Iowa has a great win-loss record. Yes, Maryland is going to be a tough out on the road. Michigan is obviously a very tough team. You're facing them on the road. It yeah, was a, It was a hard-fought win yesterday. So the toughest series for Nebraska are on the road. That's a good thing if you can win them. Because Absolutely. that's the RPI. Help in the, RPI. the RPI was helped tremendously yesterday from the, that win at Michigan. Right. But the the thing that you can't have is is just imploding on the mound on Sundays, even in these series against lesser teams at home, which that Illinois series was. And, sure. and so you're going to have the Penn States, the Minnesotas, the Northwesterns, those Big Ten series at home. You got to finish them off with with a, a Sunday win, whether it's winning that series on Sunday or sweeping. And and Will Walsh, starting tomorrow, gives them an opportunity to do just that. I know we got to go to the, go to a break soon. I just want to give you this stat. Yep. One in four on Sunday games this season. So, you know. Yep. A, a majority, close to a, let's see, they have nine losses on the year, correct? Nine losses on the year, four of them on Sundays. That just yep. goes to show you how desperate this team is is to win on Sundays and uh, you, you know if you're Will Bolt you're really hoping Jace Kaminska can, can go the distance yeah. uh, tonight just so that comes Sunday just in case Walsh doesn't continue this heater that he's been on from the mound you got more arms yeah. to dispense on the road so you know nothing ever goes planned in baseball mm-hmm. that's just kind of how it works but it, it well I I think Bolt is going to let Kaminska go. A little tonight, and he'll let him work through those things just so he can have a fully loaded bullpen tomorrow. Just because, yes, Walsh is, let's just put it this way Walsh has pitched well. He's not proven yet, though. Right. He's not proven. Right. He, he's. Sunday's a different, it's a different animal. I, I don't mid-week. even know if it's a different animal. It's just, it, this is a, a redshirt sophomore mm-hmm. who hasn't played that consistently yeah. over his career. And yes, is he playing well right now? Absolutely. It's baseball, though. Yeah. It's baseball. Yeah. I mean, you can I talk about Matt Albers all the time in terms of you can have one year where you're on the top of the world and you have another year where you're thinking, why is this guy still in the league, right? Yeah. So Walsh played great baseball, but you're, you're still hoping... You're still hoping he can continue that, and you got a little bit. You're hoping you got a little bit of a contingency plan tomorrow with having some arms in the bullpen ready to go. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're going to talk actually next segment to somebody who uh, had a nice little write up on Will Walsh on twenty four seven. That's Michael Brunts. He's going to join us. We'll hit baseball and spring football with Brunts um, as well, and then we've got our thoughts on the spring, how things are going with Matt Rule and his squad. Uh, as we roll closer, ever closer, to spring game 2023. And there was a Husker football commit this week, another one out of the state of Texas. Tell you about, we'll tell you about that and more when we come back here on the KLI and Husker Hour right after this. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers, this is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Baseball in action this weekend up in Ann Arbor. Spring football rolling right along here in Lincoln and here to talk about all of that and probably a little bit more is Husker 24-7's Michael Brunts. Brunts, how are you? Not bad. What's up? Well, we're, uh, we're, we're getting things done here on a Saturday morning and, and the Husker baseball team is, is finally, hopefully, finding the guy to get things done on Sundays. Can you hear me? Oh crap! Uh, hold on, Brunts. See what's going on here. Yeah, we're yeah. Oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah. All right, we're gonna get. Can you Brunts hear us back. now? He he hung up. We're gonna have to dial him back okay. here. All right. Yeah. Obviously. No, we're we're fine. We're fine. We're good. We'll figure it out. No, absolutely. Cole, like you were talking about, we'll wash Sunday starter. Hopefully, you can get it done and. Uh, spring football had a couple open practices as well. A lot of open practices, honestly. If if we're being honest, I mean, not something that we're really accustomed to seeing last year, and has actually been really good. I've been to all of them, really good to see them, really good to watch them. So I'm I'm excited to uh, 
talk to Brunts here and, yeah. and see kind of his insight on it, just because you know when you go to those open practices, you see some things, right? Yeah. But then when you talk to other people, they might see a thing or two about them or read a thing or two about them that you didn't see. So I, I love to get that insight. Is he, are we back on with him here? We got you. Do you hear us now? Yeah, I'm here. All right. That that start of that segment went about as as well as as Matt McMaster's twenty first birthday. <laughs> Sloppy uh, week here. <laughs> Sloppy. Anyway, uh, Brunson, I wanted to start with your uh, your write up on Will Walsh. He's getting the ball tomorrow as the Sunday starter. Tell us a little about his journey. Yeah, I mean he's been uh, he's been through it. Um, you know, I I can't recall too many baseball players at Nebraska that have had as many issues as he has in his career. I mean, you're talking, he, he had Tommy John before he even came to campus, uh, you know, hurt his knee in a bullpen session. He had his non-throwing shoulder uh, redone, um, had his handmate bone removed from a, from his hand. I mean, it, it's, uh, he's really been through it. And, you know, they, they were expecting that, you know, he's a two-way player, but they thought that, you know, the, the long-term picture for him was going to be, as a hitter, maybe they'd get a little bit out of him as a pitcher. And, you know, he, he's just kind of taken the opportunities that he's been given. I mean, he'd thrown one inning in his, his longest outing to, to this year was one, one inning. And he comes in and throws six against Creighton. He throws seven against North Dakota State. And, you know, it just looked amazing. So, you know, it, it's a guy that, that you can root for, a guy that's really kind of had to fight through a lot injury-wise. And, uh, it's finally, um, after a number of years, seen a little bit of success. Yeah, Will Walsh on Sunday. Uh, Jace Kaminska is, has been the Saturday guy all year. Uh, Emmett Olson, a great performance yesterday. The pitching, they're, they're starting to figure things out. And, and on the lineup side, what more can you say about Bryce Matthews, the two-run home run in the 10th inning? Uh, he and Max Anderson both hitting over 400. It seems like Will Bolt's starting to find his his formula for the the way he wants to bat these guys one through nine yeah i mean when, when you kind of get to the point where you're not moving guys around too much you, you've kind of landed on something and you know bryce matthews throughout his career you know they've wanted him in that one spot he's got great speed um but just hasn't had the on-base percentage to kind of stay there and you know you you're starting to see the power He's also just, you know, swinging at better pitches. He's taking the the easy singles when they're there. And, you know, the, the thing that I think, you know, when you look at this lineup that's kind of benefited Matthews is, is you've got Casey Burnham in the nine hole. He hits a home run yesterday. But, you know, he's the number nine hitter. His on-base percentage going into the weekend was like 472, which is, you know, kind of unbelievable for, for a nine-hole hitter. Mm-hmm. And so he's getting on base. And then, you know, Matthews is taking advantage of the opportunities there. So uh, it, it's a top 15 offense, you know, average-wise. They're hitting for power, which is something that you know, Nebraska hasn't really done much in, in the Big Ten era. So if, if they keep hitting, I mean, this is a, a lineup that can really, I, I think, batter uh, Big Ten pitching. So it's, it's just been, uh, you know, can they get the bullpen figured out? And that finally, you know, knock on wood, seems like it's trending in the right direction there. One more baseball. I want to get to football with you. Uh, big picture, sitting here on April eighth, what are Nebraska's chances of getting into the tournament as an at-large team, and and kind of what do they need to do to get in? In your mind, how do they need to play these last few series? Yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, the the Big Ten, you know, is not doesn't typically help you a ton RPI wise. This mm-hmm. year, especially, there's a lot of teams that are kind of in that like. 40 to 80 range RPI wise. I mean, Nebraska was 81 after they won last night, which is so, a nice little jump, a nice jump. Um, but you know, you're, you're not going to get into the tournament, uh, with an RPI in the eighties. So for them, really, you know, the whole, the whole season kind of comes down to the three road series. It's, can you win the series at Michigan? Can you win the series at Iowa in a couple weeks? And can you win the series at Maryland? Because Nebraska's toughest, Big Ten conference series are on the road, which is good for you um, RPI wise, but you got to take care of business. So just stacking wins, but those those three series especially are going to be really key for whatever this team is going to be uh, at the end of the season. Michael, it's Matt here. I want to thank you for coming on the Husker Hour as always. And let's shift to football here. Spring football, 
been a lot of open practices, been a lot of uh, uh, moving parts. What have you seen uh, uh, from this staff? Maybe that's been different from staffs you've seen in the past. And do you, th- you know, what do you think of their approach? And, and how effective do you think this whole uh, kind of environment they're building with with Rule just coming out and saying, "I'm not making a, a depth chart until cra- training camp," and this isn't about evaluating stuff, and this is more about teaching everybody. How, how do you? What's your perspective on trying to figure out what this team is going to be like come the fall through what you've seen in spring? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're still kind of limited in what we're able to see. Absolutely, three open practice portions of practice. Yeah, um, but what what you notice, I, I think, pretty clearly um, that there's a lot of technique work, a lot of individual work, a lot of teaching going on, um, and, I, and I think that's kind of the way that they've set out to do things. Is you know, look, we're going to teach the way that we want things done in the spring. They're kind of you know collecting information on guys and it started back you know during the mat drills and in winter winter conditioning where you're watching how guys move you know is a guy who's a tight end does it make sense as a tight end or is he a defensive end i mean that that's what the staff is constantly looking for is ways to optimize guys traits and skill sets and you know i, I think when you when you see them work and especially earlier in, in kind of the practices that we've seen it's a lot of you know, coaches pulling guys aside in the middle of a drill and explaining, you know, what they did wrong or what needs to be improved or what they did right. I mean, it's it, it, it's a lot more hands-on that way. So uh, that, that that kind of catches your eye. I mean, I I, I really do believe that. You know, I I don't know that they can really make a depth chart right now just based on yeah. you know the players that they have, the, the the numbers of players that they have at certain spots. I mean, they they have just a glut of players in that secondary right now um and, and i think they're still trying to figure out you know kind of who potentially fits where so it's it's as much a uh, a fact-finding mission for the staff in some ways as it is a uh you know a, a teaching opportunity as well i i don't think this what i'm about to ask you is the million dollar question because i think the million dollar question is who's going to be the starting quarterback you know come fall but i'll ask you the half million dollar question here who do you think takes the first uh, first carry of of the fall if you had to take your shot right now because that running back room is by far their strongest room and, and rule has done nothing but praise them and seeing you know just be so excited about them so if you had to take your shot mr brunts who would you say is taking that first carry okay yeah, ruined yeah I, I think i think uh I, I think given what they've said um and and you know the, the they've, they've been very effusive with the praise for Gabe Irvin uh, during the spring and in the off season. I think, I think he's got a good chance to be the guy. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that's going to be different, I think with the way the staff potentially handles things, and maybe we kind of say this every, every spring as, as it relates to Ramir Johnson, but yeah. I, I think they, they have a group of running backs that it, it's different size guys, it's different skill sets you're going to, I think, kind of be able to mix and match a little bit where I don't think you're going to see just the, you know, the carries be focused on one back like it was last year with, with Anthony Grant. Um, you know, I, I think there's going to be a little bit more diversity in carries. I, I think, uh, I, I agree. I, I think there's a lot of talent in that room. Um, and, and, and I think this offense is probably going to highlight more guys than, than maybe what, uh, we've seen in the past. I mean, even, even you know, you go back to the way that EJ Barthel handled running backs at UConn last year, and it was pretty, uh, pretty democratic with the way that they handed out the carries. So um, I, I, that's what I'm expecting. We'll see if that holds true. I mean, Ramirez Johnson's kind of the, the the unicorn in that group. I, I, I could see him, you know, in the slot or you know, using some different things for him. But I, I think they're going to do a better job of taking advantage of his skill set than maybe what we saw last season. Another minute or two here with Michael Brunts from Husker 24-7. The thing that's interested me this spring is some of the guys who have been been in this program but haven't been able to play uh, recently, like whether it's injury with like a Teddy Prohaska or a Thomas Fedoni, suspension or being away from the team altogether like a Nori Newilly or a Xavier Betts. Those guys have perspective on the program. They've been in, inside the 
you know, in the meeting rooms in the stadium and they dress for games, but they also know how different this Matt Rule staff is operating compared to Scott Frost or Mickey Joseph. What are some of those guys uh, saying or showing in terms of what we can expect from them in 2023 and, and how their experiences prior to this season will kind of inform that? Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think I think whenever you have a new staff, I think, you know, you immediately have an opportunity for guys that, you know, were maybe further down the depth chart or overlooked. I think this coaching staff is much more willing to look further down the depth chart um, to kind of see what guys can do. Um, so, you know, I, I think you're probably going to see guys pop up in the conversation, you know, when there is a two deep in the fall that you're kind of like, okay, that, that's interesting. Like that, you know, that guy was maybe buried on the depth chart before, or maybe, um, you know, just for whatever reason, like you said, you know, suspension or, um, you know, whatever reason, um, you know, has, has not been a big part of what Nebraska is doing. So it, it, it's a fresh start for everyone. I mean, I, I, I think too, just the way that Matt Rule's staff tends to operate and they have in the past. I mean, I think they they don't necessarily see guys further down the depth chart as finished products um, if that player wants to improve. I mean, I, I you know a guy a great example I think is Heinrich Harburg. I mean, I think they're taking a very long look at him uh, at, at quarterback, and I think they they kind of felt like he was a little bit overlooked by the by the uh, the last staff and kind of buried on the depth chart. So um, you know he's having a good a good spring. We'll see if that means anything once they get closer to the season, but I, I, they're leaving no stone unturned. Um, and, and this is a developmental coaching staff and they're going to take advantage of, of whatever they've got on the roster, you know, regardless of what guys stories are, or, you know, maybe kind of what they, what they experienced in the last staff. Good stuff from Brunts as always. Hey, but we'll get you out of here on this. What's the, the Easter candy of choice Ooh. in the Brunts household? Uh, white, white chocolate, uh, Reese's eggs. White chocolate. Really? I get behind that. That's very. That's very interesting. That's very yeah. interesting. I've never had them before. The, uh, the 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 they've got the mini ones, so you don't have to feel quite as bad about yourself. Sure. You pop like five or six of them. Um, but yeah, that's that's the play, and it's only you only get them around Easter time. Are you and, are you uh, you a Cadbury cream egg guy? No, I'm not. Um, I I don't like the not not a caramelly kind of. Wow. What about the OG Cadbury's, the fondant in the middle? That's where I go. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. Do they still do the commercials with the the clucking bunny? You remember those (laughs) from like the the 90s, Cole? I I think those are uh, past their prime. They may bring them back like as like a retro (laughs) look once in a while, but I don't think they make new ones anymore. I I always appreciated the clucking bunny growing up. Well, then you had the imposters, right? You put the bunny ears on the dog. You put the bunny ears on a goat. Yep. Matt has yep. no idea what we're talking about. No, I don't. I just love how we turned into a Cadbury cream egg, you know, analysis, a deep yep. dive into them. That's funny. There's, there's your homework. Look it up on YouTube. I will. I will. Clock and Bunny. Yep. Clock and Bunny. Cadbury cream yep. egg. I'm a. I'm a yep. sucker for a good commercial. So there you go. Yep. Good stuff. Hey, uh, I I can get down with the uh, the white chocolate peanut butter. I might need to go stop at the. Yeah. Store no, I'm actually gonna go and get them right yeah. away now. That sounds incredible. All right. Uh, you got to yeah. stock up now though, because they're Cause gone they, after after tomorrow. Sure. So okay. No, we'll do. Always always great advice from Michael Bruns. Thanks a lot for the time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. All right, Michael Bruns. Uh, got him. Got him in. Got him out. And uh, yeah, he's, look. As long as you don't have peeps in your house, I can. I I'm, I'm okay with basically anything. You're not a peeps guy, are you, Matt? It's just sugar, dude. It's peeps? just pure sugar. I'm just. I've never liked them. My mother always got them for me. God bless her soul. But you know, I can't. And I love her. But I can't do. I, I, I can't do them. I can't do cotton candy either. I used to be able to do cotton candy. I mean, peeps. I my acid reflux is so bad nowadays. I can't do like half of the food that I like just because like it just doesn't sit well anymore. It's bad. I'm turning into an old man. I need to start taking. But Prilosec. 21 years old. Gosh, you I got already a bad stomach, dude. It's terrible. Oh, that, that's not good for your 20. I already have heartburn. Weekend. Yeah. Well. Yeah. All right. Well, a guy who's getting a little bit of heartburn from all the injuries and, and, and trying to deal with all that is Matt Rule. We're going to talk spring football takeaways. Jeez, you got to you got to prepare the people before <laughs> sorry, you drop the F. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Football coming up next year on the KLI and Husker Hour. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio. 1499.3 KLIN. Our thanks to Michael Brunts from Husker 24-7 just joined us in our last segment. Of course, if you missed that, you can always head over to your favorite podcast platform of choice. We're at the KLIN Husker Hour. We're on Facebook and Twitter at KLIN Huskers, uh, and you can catch our stuff uh, at KLIN.com or over at Husker Max as well. Real quick, I want to say something because I know we're going we're gonna to move to somewhere different, but mm-hmm. just something that I picked up from Brunts when he was talking about the running backs. The fact that... I'm not surprised that he immediately jumped on Gabe Irvin Jr. just because if you've listened to these press conferences, you know that this staff is very, very high. I mean, Coach Rule went on to say that he was an all-star of the offseason. What does shock me, though, is that he talked about two running backs. Neither of them were Anthony Grant. Anthony Grant doesn't necessarily fit the, the... The archetype it's that just, the staff wants, right? And it's just interesting to me because, you, you know, he has the suspension, and, and I think there was major talk of whether or not that was going to hurt him when it came to competing for this sure. for this job. Something that I picked up at one of these, these practices, they were running a, a, a drill, not even a drill, they were running a play, a running play at, at spring practice. And not that the depth chart has fully mattered, but Jeff Sims has taken this first snap of every single drill for the quarterbacks. And I think that goes and says something. Anthony Grant was the fourth running back to take a snap during a drill that I was watching. I think that says something. And and number one and number two to take those snaps, you want to guess who they were? Guess. The running backs? The running backs. Yeah. Who was uh, the first and second running back to take a snap during that the the drill I'm talking about? Give me Gabe Irvin and A.J. Allen. Ramir Johnson and Gabe Irvin. Ramir Johnson. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I mean just, just what Brunt said, right? So, yeah. I just think it's so interesting. You got a guy who runs 951 yards last season, and nothing's changed. They haven't brought in a transfer. They right. haven't brought in a new running back. They they just they literally have the same group of guys they yeah. did last year. And not only may will not only is he not the running back, he might not even be the third running back yeah. on that depth chart. I mean, how shocking would that be from Anthony Grant being nine hundred fifty one rusher last season and at some points in the season he was their main point of offense to now he may he may be Ramir from last year yeah. where he was he he saw the field very limited. I, Crazy. I, anytime I hear the name Anthony Grant, I still think of him taking that Rutgers dude's soul on the yeah. sideline. I mean, anyway, uh, we digress. So, sure. as we get into more of uh, the spring, uh, more of these, uh, you're not necessarily seeing guys emerge because you're, we're just seeing bits and pieces of practices. Sure. But um, when you you have these position battles kind of playing themselves out, and and the players and coaches do talk more about particular guys who are showing out in practice and and kind of earning their way up the depth chart. It's interesting to me that you have some you have some guys who are moving around position wise, but the the thing that I asked about Brunson, I'm I'm most interested in some of the guys who know where they're going to be, but just didn't get to play most of, if not all of, last season. And so sure. there's a there's another level of motivation there, like for a Thomas Fedoni, a Xavier Betts, the guys on the offensive line like Nori Newelli, who was suspended, Teddy Prohaska, who is perpetually injured but has got the size and and the the potential that everybody craves. 
those guys interest me a lot too because they they've tasted it right. Like Xavier Betts has that eighty some yard touchdown against Penn State and Northwestern and, Nor- and Northwestern. Uh, Norton Willie was maybe going to be the leader in that offensive line uh, last year. You could ar- you could have argued that he probably could have been the best player on that offensive line yeah. last year. Yeah. So and, and so those those guys interest me a lot because they they have a shot to not only be really, you know, really good fits with this scheme and and this offense uh or defense depending on who it is going forward, but also they have a little bit of that you know, they I didn't get to do this last year. They have that that angle of motivation kind of pushing them as well. I, I have three three takeaways from some of these press conferences, and they all have to do yeah. with Matt Rule praising players. First one is he just came out and said, point blank, Thomas Fedoni's my guy. He's one. He goes, there are a couple of guys that I work really closely with, and Fedoni's one of them. And he, I, I mean, he was talking about him like a father would talk about a proud son, you know? I mean, he literally said at one point, he thinks the same way I do. Mm-hmm. He was like, you know, he's so crazy about if I don't, He's so sporadic in his thoughts, like, if I don't do this, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he goes, I'm the same way. Mm. And so to hear how much he praised Fedoni and how much he likes working with Fedoni, and and I've heard, too, as well, that Fedoni has looked incredible at at these practices. Um, I think that, I don't mean to tease Husker fans here, and I don't think there should be an expectation that this guy's going to be an All-American after he hasn't played one dang snap in college football. I think, you know... I don't think the expectations should be that high, but I think that people should be a little optimistic about what that number one tight end can look like. And then the two other ones were, there have been two players that Rule and his staff have just come out and said are going to be NFL guys, or they believe they're NFL guys. The first was Quinn Newsom, which, that's not surprising. He's, this is going to be, what, his third year starting yeah. at cornerback? I think that he's shown that tape. You know, I like... I, I like to call really solid cornerbacks in any level of football Prince of Mucamaris because Prince of Mucamara, you know, Nebraska cornerback, yep. played for the Bears. He was just good. Mm-hmm. He wasn't incredible. He wasn't game changing. He wasn't elite. He was just a good cornerback. He was reliable. That's what Quinn Newsom is. And I think they see that ability for him at the next level. The next guy is someone, the next guy they called an NFL player. I don't mean to get on him and say that it was shocking, but it was a player that a lot of people critiqued last year. Mm. And it's on that old line and it's Bryce Benhart. Yeah. And, and Matt Rule has I think that I think it would have surprised a lot of people. Point blank said Benhart is an NFL player and that they, what they're doing on the offensive line is going to let Benhart loose. I've never heard of letting an old lineman loose before, but I think that's just indicative of what they think about this guy and the ability, you know, the the belief they have in his ability and clearly to them watching the tape and through winter practices and, and, and the mat drills and, and whatnot in spring, they've seen some improvement and they've they they've tried to instill confidence in him. And confidence has been a big point for Matt Rule when talking about this offensive line. Well boy, let, let's hope they get something out of him because I mean if you want to talk about a player on this roster who has just been through the ringer, uh, I mean, Bryce Benhart would be right there front and center as a candidate for that award because he came in as he and Turner Corker and similarly were, were very, very highly rated recruits. Guys that you were, oh, yeah, plug and play, look at his size, sure. skilled, like he'll be able to go in right away. And they kind of tried to do that, and I they don't know threw him to the wolves way too quickly. I think wasn't ready, uh, wasn't wasn't uh, kind of didn't grasp the the scheme quick enough, or was trying to do something too different from what he did in high school. Whatever the reason was, it just didn't work. So for this staff to be as high on them as they are, as high on him as they are, and to think that they've maybe unlocked something, they've found something, or this scheme really suits his skill set well. That's that's nothing but positive because if you can get him back at, trending in the right direction where he's not getting beaten down um, in in games or he's you know he's not the media's punching bag if you want to he was let's it. be honest I mean, here he kind of was I mean a lot of those old line guys were 
from and not just I'm not just going to say media, just everybody. Yeah, everybody. Which is which is so funny that the offensive line coach from 2022 is the only holdover well, from well, staff. But that it, there's reasons for that too. Re- yeah, but but the fact that you can still get something out of him, the fact that you can still call him an NFL guy and and, yeah. and be so high on him this early in the process and in, in getting to play with this roster in the spring is 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 encouraging. And and that's that's the part of it that I would take away from that is well, it's encouraging to see that they think that they're going to get something out of him and that maybe his confidence can get back to a point where he's a big piece of this offense. Throwing around a guy being an NFL player in I'm not going to say all the press conferences I've been to because I've only been to about a year and a half worth of press conferences. Yeah. But there's only been three instances mm. where I've just seen a coach say, oh, yeah, this guy can play at the next level. A.J. Allen, uh, Quinn Newsom, and now Bryce Benhart. Yeah. And so I, will, I do want to give this online credit because I don't think it's really said enough. They got better mm. last season. They, from week one... To week 12, they were substantially better. They were clearly better. And I think that's part of the reason why Rayola was kept. Because going into the season, everyone knew that the strong suit of this team was not going to be the offensive line. But they played pretty well against Iowa. They played pretty well against Wisconsin. Uh, Casey Thompson got... The the uh, I almost swore there. I mean, against Rutgers. I mean, jeez, <laughs> took a beating. Yeah, took a beating against Rutgers. But did he get sacked in that second half? I don't think he did. Against Purdue, it was the same way. I mean, they were able to hold up Purdue. So I think that this improvement from the offensive line of last year is encouraging, and I think they saw that on film and clearly working with them. I think they've. Been encouraged as well. And I have nothing but good things to say about Donovan Rayola and, and how he coaches. Those first two practices that I went to, I think for half of them, both, I watched Donovan Rayola coach because he was the only guy, I think, that was really working on stuff other than Terrence Knighton with Ruquan Buckley, Nash Hutmacher, and Stefan Wynn. They were working individually, but then Rayola was really coaching the offensive lineup when everyone was kind of doing their warm-up and special teams. I was impressed by the way he was coaching, and and I I kind of wrote a little half-article Twitter thread on it, but I watched Donovan Rayola coach, and as someone who not so pretty recently stopped being on a team— he he's the type of coach that I would love to be coached by. He's the type of coach that I would want to be, you know, you know what I'm saying, that you would want to play for. You can just tell that these guys care about him, and anything that has ever spoken about Donovan Rayola from his guys has always been positive. Piper, Ben Hart, just nothing but praises yeah. for him. So I, I've been really in, impressed by the coaching from Rayola, and I think that needs to be said because he is a guy, like his offensive line last year, who got a lot of flack. And I think he got even more flack because he was the only guy that was kept. Yeah. And and I think it needs to be said that his coaching has been incredibly impressive from what I've seen at spring practices. Yeah. Yeah. And and he's going to be a big part of whether Nebraska succeeds or fails in 2023. There's no and 2024. That. Yeah. And 2024. Yeah. Just go out and say it. Just get ahead of it. I mean, speaking of uh, a Raiola, is there an update on Dylan Raiola? I don't of think there there's is. an update oh. on Dylan. There's always an update. Can we go on Dylan one episode? Rayola. Can we go one episode without time? Not, not that I have anything against the guy <laughs> at all. I, he's a great player, and you know w- whatnot. But well, they, don't talk about Dylan Raiola on a podcast challenge, Nebraska edition. Impossible. Well, now you don't want people to actually click on the thing. Hey, another guy who actually has committed to Nebraska. We'll tell you who that is uh, and get you ready for the weekend as well. Nebraska baseball and uh, Nebraska softball in action uh, and bowling rolling along. Of course they are. NCAA tournaments. It's, it's getting there. All right. Back after this here on the KLI Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Real quick, uh, this is something that we forgot to do, uh, and I think we've forgotten to do it for literally six episodes in a row. This is the 356th episode of, not necessarily the KLIN Husker Hour, but this show that I've been 
hosting here for seven plus years. It was 350 a few weeks ago, and that did not make it into the actual on-air part of the program because why would it things well it's right smack in the middle of literally the busiest time of the year in march so so yeah 356 episodes go us congratulations no go you i'm as hey you're congratulations oh i'm part of the back end of it but you know it's uh it's a great show it's it's good the test of time you could say i think officially this show is a veteran you can call it a veteran of husker media seven years i'm pretty sure what considers a veteran in sports I think it's probably five plus years. Yeah, I'll go with that. We'll go Look, five this, plus. This show started a couple weeks before Mike Riley's first uh, regular season game. Jeez. How about that? So, uh, the Mike. By the way, the Mike Riley era is like mythological to me, just because <laughs> I just did not follow or watch Nebraska football. But I hear so much about it. You probably hear more about the Bill Callahan era. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my birth has been mentioned in the Bill Callahan area a little bit, a little bit too much for my liking. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, uh, so Nebraska got a commit this week. It was actually last week, Saturday, after we were off the air. Uh, Gibson Pyle, six foot five, two hundred eighty-five pound offensive lineman from Klein, Texas, uh, just on the northern edge of Houston. Second Texas commit of the twenty twenty-four class. He was here that big visit weekend a couple weeks ago with Dylan Riola and friends, uh, and then he's also going to be uh, back in a couple weeks for the spring game. So two. 2024 commits both from the state of Texas, Matthew. I want to say real quick, I don't think Roger Gradney was a four-star when he committed to Mm. Nebraska. Don't hold me accountable for that. But that's another Texas guy, the first recruit that they got, four-star top 300. I'm pretty sure he's moving up through the ranks. Hey, look, if they haven't gone out and said it, they made it very clear through their actions that Nebraska is trying to make Texas uh, a, a point of emphasis when it comes to recruiting, and I think that is incredible. I think it's good. There's a lot of talent there. They have a lot of connections there. Mm-hmm. They got Garrett McGuire. They got Dr. Suzanne Elza. They got Bob Wager. I mean, they have made it a point to go out, and, and, and I think they understand that with the college football landscape, it's all about geography, and it's all about where are the best recruits. And no... You know, no beef towards Nebraska high school football whatsoever, but it's just not on the level of Texas. And then that's that's a fact. That's a fact. And frankly, there aren't a lot of places in the country that are on the level of Texas high school football. And that is a fact. And so his staff, Rule and his staff, have looked around the landscape and said, where is the highest level of recruits and you know where where where's the closest state that has those high level recruits, and that's Texas. Yeah. And look, they got a lot of commits to come, but the fact that the first two and kind of under the radar a little bit were from Texas just goes and shows you how much work they are doing in that state. Yeah, uh, Husker softball is uh, a winner yesterday. They shut out Maryland in that series opener, six and three in the Big Ten, twenty six and twelve overall. Uh, they play again today at one o'clock. Uh, it is game two of their three-game set at Maryland. Uh, Husker baseball in action today at Michigan, 1 p.m. first pitch, 12.30 pregame right here on KLIN. Uh, and they're in action tomorrow at 11 a.m. And tomorrow, of course, it's Will Walsh. Could he be the Sunday savior? Easter pun may be intended. <laughs> we shall see. Jace Kaminska goes today. Uh, hey, uh, enjoy your weekend. Happy Easter, everybody. Thanks to Matt. Thanks to Kenny. I'm Cole. Go Big Red. Fullback. back.